Hi, I'm Amy Blackthorne, and this is Blackthorne Grove. For those of you who are new to the podcast, blackthornsbotanicals.com has some great teas, ritual oils, magical candles, and more for the next bit. I know not everyone can get to the podcast right away. I'm going to put up a podcast-only coupon code code podcast all lowercase on blackthornsbotanicals.com for 20% off anything you find in the store try and help as best I can and and apparently Lilu agrees that's blackthornsbotanicals.com and offer code podcast all lowercase hello and welcome to the Blackthorn Grove this is Amy Blackthorn and Today, we have a special guest in the house. Diana Rachel is an amazing human, and we've known each other for a trillion years on Twitter. And yeah, we finally, yeah, right? <laughs> from Live Journal, maybe. Was, I think we did go back to, oh, wow. We went back to like Live Journal pre Russia. Yes. <laughs> like, like this, like before Facebook was a thing. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. I miss Live Journal. You got to explain yourself more, and context was better. <laughs> And the filters, bless the filters. Oh God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was harder for people to go down really disturbing rabbit holes when they had to have more information all at once. <laughs> so uh, feel free to introduce yourself, um, what pronouns you use, how we can we can make you happy and comfortable here. And then we'll, we'll jump into what you do. Okay. I'm Diana Rachel. My pronouns are she, they. I'm not particularly picky about which one and I will answer hey you. I am the author of Urban Magic, A Guide for the City Witch, and the new book I have coming out, Hex Twisting Counter Magic Spells for the Irritated Witch, which looks like it may be BFFs with Blackthorn's Protection Magic because these seem to be pairing really well together. So that's exciting. I'm also the author of the Maven and Sound installments of Llewellyn Sabbath Essentials and Divorcing a Real Witch from like a million years ago. And... Honestly, it's random as to what makes me happy or comfortable. Some days I need a houseboy or a massage. Right now I've got Verner's in the bed and I'm good. (laughs) Oh, massages. Right? Yeah. It's it's good stuff right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's so many guys that would get a lot further with me if they'd learn how to give a proper massage and a pedicure. I miss pedicures. Right? I miss pedicures. Uh, There's the most incredible, beautiful... uh, I'm going to call it a spa, but when you, that I would go for my pedicures, I, I can't do manicures because it, it feels like I slammed every finger in a car door at the same time. Mm-hmm. My nails are so thin, but pedicures, this beautiful place um, is decorated like a Buddhist temple. Um, it's the, the women who run it are gorgeous and amazing and hu- I mean, incredible humans. You can create your own facials. You can mix and match the herbs that they put that in them. There's hanging lamps and they're very, very little light. Everything's candlelit. Where is this? I live in Delaware. Okay. Huh. Okay. So one, I realized that, oh, right now I'm in Michigan. So I think that part of our mix up is because I'm splitting my time between California and the East and Eastern Standard. <laughs> so that's what happened. Um, Kalamazoo, Southwest Michigan. Nice. My best friend moved home to door. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm hoping to have some time in a weekend to go visit Howl and Climax and Paradise. Nice. 
because I need to get like little pieces of hell real estate for some friends that are slightly demonic in the good day. <laughs> well, if you need a, massa- a good massage therapist, um, Moon Medicine Therapeutics comes okay. highly recommended. I am, you know, okay. history of trauma and letting strangers touch me is not a thing. So finding yeah. a massage therapist that I trust, Lacey is amazing. She she owns the, the spa, the studio. Um, it also has a yoga studio attached. So you can just... If she does that that and yin yoga, I might try to move in. (laughs) So yin yoga is the best thing ever in the history of ever. There was a while when unfortunately the school had to go open air, like they're not gone, but they'd no longer have a building. There used to be this amazing yoga studio called Purusha Yoga on Ocean Beach in San Francisco. Mm. And so I would go to the Y and weight lift and then go to these intensive yin sessions after. So good. Oh my God, like perfect stretchy nap after. So like my muscles were just bitching at me and hungry, but so happy afterwards. <laughs> my, the place where I've done yin here in Delaware, um, Jen Boylo is amazing. I love her whole face. Um, she does yin, but she offers sound bath at, as a part of yin. Oh, with okay. singing bowls that are the size of your coffee table. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And just deep low tones. The high pitched tones make me want to stab people. But the, the throaty low tones, I can do that all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stabbing people is very not mistake. Just <laughs> not mistake. I I really I love her energy and she's just a sweet human. Um she does a lot of volunteer work with one of our local charities for um disabled children who don't have the funds for wheelchairs. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, she's amazing and I adore her. Now I'm going to have to send her a copy of the podcast so she knows we were talking good about her. Um, (laughs) So yeah, we got, we got, we jumped right in without even like, oh, hey, how's it been? This is kind of how we do. Like the time we met in person at PantheaCon, it was the same thing. Um, I think the only disruption is the idiot ex-boyfriend was along and yeah, he's only alive because he's pretty. (laughs) (laughs) He's gone. Fantastic. It's all things have leveled up. He's gone. <laughs> so do you want to talk about hex twisting or do you want to talk about other stuff first? I will be happy to talk about hex twisting, uh, especially since like we both like were writing these book projects at about the same time. So my book hex twisting counter magic spells for the irritated witch is coming out. And I found out, I just got good news today that <laughs> the release date may have been moved up a teeny bit, but I'm not exactly sure. The official date is December, but there may be some books in my hands next week. Oh my God, that's so great. Yes, yes. Especially with all the shipping delays because, you know, COVID has messed up everything. Right. But, um, so I started working on that in 20, late 2018. Mm-hmm. And no, actually in 2019. So this may be the fastest book I've ever written because I'm one of those people that will take five years to write a book. I'm <laughs> terrible. I just, I like to have my research done, but this one, my research was literally field experience. Is, was either, you know, a lot of people like have this party line that witches don't curse people. <laughs> and I kind of bought into it because, you know, in the 90s, I didn't know better. Right. Oh, witchcraft is really Wicca. Maybe it is just this very slim tradition that was like English or Great Britain or Celtic rooted. And wow, has my world expanded since then. 
And, and I'm seeing some arguments about it on the internet yet again about who a real witch is. And of course my, my diagnostic is poke, poke, poke. And then run. <laughs> are you corporeal? Do you live in the material reality? Good enough for me. <laughs> so, but other people have stronger opinions about it. And the reason it's even coming up for me, cause I would just kind of like to ignore it. Cause I think that's just, that is stupid. So ignore it. Like I have a personal philosophy if the rule is stupid, break it. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And so this is the, this is just a whole bunch of white man stupid. <laughs> and I'm just going to walk away from this. But it unfortunately has to come up because that party line has had so much power. And so many people, so two things have happened is one, the people don't actually curse people, has left people open to actual attack, especially now with the internet and certain Facebook groups and certain other groups, where there's more information than ever before about how to do it. Right. The second thing is it's actually left them more open to spiritual fraud, where people convince them they're cursed and then take all their money. There's so, there's a big warning in the in the beginning of protection magic yeah. because of that's you know yeah, it's, signs to watch out for. It is such a common problem, and one of the crappier things is that some of the people that use that con will actually curse you if you say no. Yeah. So, like my business partners actually had to deal with that recently for some friends, mm. um, where somebody. Like they told her, oh, you have a curse in your love life. She didn't have anything in her mind. She just was getting an entertainment reading. Yeah. And she tried to convince her she needed to pay $75 for a chime candle and a rose quartz chip to like break the curse. Yeah. Just, wow. <laughs> and I'm sure it would have escalated from there if she'd been given a chance. Oh, yeah. I yeah, Here in Delaware, I was going to a salon that's no longer there and um, run by... Uh, a very sweet Armenian family who they said, look, we you know, woman came to me and said, my sister has been taken for $10,000. This woman has convinced her she has a curse on her. Can you do something? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I am. I am right there. Yeah. They're like, we'll give you all the services you want. Just make this go away. I'm like, I appreciate that. Like energy exchange, all that. But it's so sad to see how people are, have no compunction over taking advantage of others no and i realize and my partner is the one that's getting the degree in psychology Mm -hmm. and addiction and counseling i cannot speak to what makes a sociopath a sociopath so i would have to leave that to them to speak on that well but there is a sense it's like a certain breed of person just doesn't care yep and then i run into the additional complication is i have had to come in on legit curse breakings and vicious hauntings and hired spirits and it's high risk work. I can't not charge for it because usually there's a doctor's bill for me afterwards. Yep. Not and good. yeah, and, and it's the because this is not something that you can usually physically record, you know, and especially the people that are under the curse aren't psychically sensitive. How do you explain the difference between what I'm doing as opposed to what a fraudster is doing? Exactly. You know, especially how do you give the measurable, measurable results since in the best protection magic, nothing happens. So it, it's it's a hard line to walk. And I know there's a couple of pieces that I wrote for Llewellyn's uh, Llewellyn Journal and the Pagan blog where mm-hmm. I'm talking about both of these things and why it's different. So I'm sure there will be some interesting reactions to that. <laughs> <laughs> Because there's a lot of rethinking of witchcraft as we've understood it in the U.S. And I think it's all a good thing. 
Um, but just like, I mean, there's some overshoot, there's some overshooting here and there. Like I've seen people saying things like jar spells are closed traditions or, you know, I'm like, it is closed. If you screw it closed, it's closed. That's about as far as that goes because any witch anywhere that's seen a bottle has thought, I could pee in that. Right. Yeah, that's just what we do. <laughs> yeah the same with honey um it, it's been controversial oh, you can't european honeybees <laughs> come from europe i don't know what to do well i think a lot of it is that there's people from all walks and all backgrounds that are new to it that will still keep trying to think it's all the same thing right so if you're doing honey to oshun that's one thing but if you're doing honey to melissa that's another Yes. or to Hecate. Mm -hmm. These are different, but they're not all the same. There's a lot of people in ATRs and I absolutely respect and value. And I understand the entire purpose of those religions is right. to preserve traditions that were getting murdered. Yes, like, absolutely. I, I will not ignore that ever. At the same time, they, especially I've seen this with Hoodoo and Contra workers where there was a lot more socially going on at the time than I think most people are aware of where mm -hmm. Um, especially between the Irish and some of the other people. But it was a, well, I don't want you working with my ancestors. Well, they're not working with your ancestors. The Irish conjure practitioners are working with their ancestors. Now, some of you have ancestors in common and y'all got to work that out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and these aren't conversations that people process well, especially because things have gotten, you know, since the days of live journal, things right. are so polarized. Things people just need things to absolutely be this way because the world's gotten more terrifying and the lack of absolutes makes it even scarier. Right, there's no nuance. Yeah, and unfortunately, when you get into the really deep practices, it's all nuance all the time. A demon's, you know, a demon may be a demon, but it may be good or evil depending on what it's doing, not based on what it is. Right. And until you get to that point, you're kind of, there's some limitations and i don't like limitations i'm bad at those <laughs> we have a we have a long history limitations <laughs> yes <laughs> so what made you want to create this book specifically one is because of some things i was experiencing in san francisco and before i had compiled like i had just compiled a shit ton of spells that were created for situations that I had never anticipated having to deal with. Mm -hmm. And most of them, if they're not completely unique, they have a unique element to them. Like I always say where things came from. Right. But a lot of those were very much my own invention after trying several things that didn't work until I found a thing that worked. Right. And one most of those were a lot of those were things where I was starting to get clients from all backgrounds and all walks frequently I would have people from outside my culture getting referred to me because if they went to a practitioner within their own culture there was a risk of gossip right and so sometimes it would be me having to dig into their background or have them teach me things so I could do it for them <laughs> and it ended up creating this whole I mean magic is magic there are certain rules that work across the board but it ended up expanding my vocabulary of what was possible Beautiful. Including the bad things that are possible. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you know, I found out, you know, like there's one that it's been long enough. I can talk about it without disclosing too much, but I had one client who accidentally invited himself a gin haunting. And 
that was one where I'd been exposed to enough Muslim culture from a previous job and from some previous relationships that I knew that one sage does not work on everything. No, no, it really doesn't. And some, and sometimes uh, whatever you may feel about cultural appropriation, you have to work within the culture of the spirit that you're dealing with. And given how Islamophobic a lot of pagans can be, oh, if goodness, some yes. of them get a jinn haunting, they're going to be stuck with the jinn haunting. Because the only way to get rid of it is to do the Islamic call to prayer. And it's only really going to work if you sing it sincerely. Not a lot of people have it in them to do that and maintain their sense of self. Right. <laughs> um, and a lot of these objections comes down to self-perception really these are the things i have learned uh, <laughs> so there was just stranger and stranger things kept landing at my doorstep and these were the things like that they don't tell you about in beginning wicca books at least in the covens i was in they weren't really prepared for the kind of stuff i was dealing with because i was dealing with straight up spirit work right and you know wicca is absolutely wonderful and it gives you a religion and a way to build relationships with deity. But when you're dealing with stuff that is not necessarily within that specific scope, they don't, like depending on the coven you're in, they don't always have the tools. Right. Um, especially because there's a certain point with Wicca as a religious path where it becomes part of the self-identity. And to be able to deal with some of the things, you have to be able to occasionally leave that identity behind to deal with the thing in front of you. Right. At least that has been my experience. That may not be true for other people. And it's very hard to explain to people who've never been in a, especially I, my first coven was British traditional witchcraft. Yeah. To explain that this coven structure, this group mind, this lineage, all of these things are not the random crap you're going to read in a book that's labeled Wicca that may or may not actually be Wicca. Yeah. So they just they have this idea in their head of what that looks like and it couldn't be further from the truth you can't explain it to them because it's not, it's your lived experience yeah and it is a specific thing and a specific structure and you know i actually went through two different types of wiccan initiations with two different groups one was british one was american and ultimately i saw how much good it did for other people but for me because of the way just the way my reality is framed the things i'm meant to deal with I actually had to um, leave my initiations behind to be able to do what I do. Right. Is, you know, I work with city spirits. This is basically like trying to make friends with Godzilla sometimes. <laughs> it's not something that somebody that's sharing a circle with you, that's not energy they're going to want to be connected to and it won't be safe for them. You're absolutely <laughs> correct. So, hi, I need to go chase Godzilla. Can you just join hands with this other person that was standing between me and you? We're all good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need a door made out of bananas. Let's see. <laughs> yes, there we go. I might actually do it. I'm a smart ass with commitment. So I love it. I love it so much. So at what point in your life's journey were you comfortable calling yourself a witch? Do you call yourself a witch? Do you, is there a different word that you prefer? I mean, I don't mind the, the word witch. I use spirit worker to make other people comfortable. Right especially people that get really, really concerned about whether Wiccan is the whole of witchcraft or not. Right. So I will use spirit worker because it's a way of just sidestepping that whole argument. Right. Um, and again, because I tend to believe witchcraft is a cultural universal if they want to have that argument. <laughs> but 
so the first time I had someone call me, which I was eight, I got in big trouble for that. <laughs> that I identified at eight years old as a witch. But then I did do the Christian church thing, found out Psalms were powerful freaking magic all on my own before I even knew about hoodoo or conjure or any of that. When, my goodness, yes. Ooh, this is useful, especially when I wanted my sister to shut the fuck up. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah, the fire, uh, yeah, Psalm 37, that's some good stuff. <laughs> oh, God. oh, yeah, that'll make your hair stand up. Well, yeah, well, and sitting back watching it going, you make bad life choices already. This won't take that much work. <laughs> You're just like pushing the little nudge to the nomino. Like, keep her too busy to bug me. I have an algebra test. <laughs> like, it's just like the entire logic behind it. Because she was just like so histrionic. It was just like I had to do something because my parents did not intervene on her behavior at all. <sighs> so I'm like, okay, so I'm stuck with this crazy person or I can use whatever tool I got. <laughs> So like, I kind of like, I was aware and I was a very devout Christian all the way up until college. And then the summer between my freshman and sophomore year, my friend's tarot cards literally bit me. My first experience with direct animism. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of all snowballed from there. So like, by the time I was 19, I was identifying as a witch, like fully and openly. And I was reading a little bit about Black Lunch Protection Magic. I did not have the experiences like you did where, you know, people harassed me over it for the most part. Like there right. was one or two patronizing concerned conversations at the college oh, yes. level. But I was a hot chick, so they were hoping to get me to convert so they could sleep with me. And that was not going to happen. Right. You get bonus <laughs> points for converting the pagans. Yeah, I like paganism. They use condoms. <laughs> <laughs> which I may have actually directly said to one guy. So for you to adopt it at the age of eight, did you have a family history of witchcraft or folk practices? Or did Nothing, you just say, this is mine? There is a little bit, but it was very buried. Mm -hmm. So one, I'm half wasp and half Polish American. I do identify far more with the Polish American side, but I was raised more wasp. So there's like a lot of gaps I'm filling in now at this point in my life. Right. So my mother would talk about both my father, who is the Polish, and my grandfather, her father, would have um, precognitive dreams. So like I would get calls from my dad saying, just stay in tonight. You know, no explanation. No, just stay in tonight and say no to that boy. Like, and this is, and I would be like 800 miles away. Like he didn't know who I was with at any given time. And if dad did, if my mom did, I just ignore her because she just assumed the boy was black and just fuck mom, go away. <laughs> but my dad, if he said it, it was always, there was something to it. There was a very active belief in ghosts on the Polish side of the family. Mm -hmm. And my mom would do this thing where she would say there's no such thing as ghosts while I was seeing my dead grandmother prank call her at three in the morning. That's fantastic yeah those two between the two of them <laughs> they did not have the best relationship anyway <laughs> so I, I i suspect that my mom probably did something annoying condescending and my bushy was like i'm gonna haunt you bitch <laughs> and he did um like and i still have enough of a relationship with my dead relatives where they're just like just say the word say the word if there's any misbehavior like uh, we don't need to be tied to that i'm working through my trauma there but thank you <laughs> see these are the things in ancestor works they don't tell you about <laughs> you're not wrong 
Yeah, because some of it's, well, explaining that our ancestors may be wise, but sometimes they're petty and vengeful and mischievous and full of pranks and still alcoholics and... Yeah, I never got that, the understanding that people seem to have that dying suddenly makes you a better person. No, no. And and again, I do enough work with the dead that I'm like, you still have choices and a lot of work to do. Dying doesn't get you out of shit. No, no, it does not. You know, and so there are some people like with assisted suicide, and I'm like, it, it's one of the reasons I never doubt it's a well thought out decision. It's the either the depression is metastasized and there is no other way to work through it because that particular organ, your brain, is just out. Or it is something where they, this person has tried everything they can to work their stuff out here and there is just no way they can do it. But that does mean that they still have that work waiting for them. Yes. You know, unless you're finished, in which case there's going to be a nice lady that gives you a very nasty drink and then you just won't know who the fuck you are. But I leave that to my partner. They're a Finnish shaman. <laughs> so, That's amazing. Yeah, we, we save that for special occasions. Everybody else pretty much gets to pick their address. So in any case, I tend to wander off topic very easily, as you have observed in the past. So... <laughs> Let's talk about your favorite witchcraft experience. Ooh, it's been a long time. And I've been having this odd conversation with my partner because I've been practicing so long that when I see magic work, I don't have that whoa reaction like I used to. It's so hard. It is. It's just the, yep, that was going to happen. I wonder how this might bite me in the ass. (laughs) (laughs) Still had to do it, but uh, let me think um okay that one wasn't very nice that one wasn't very nice hey i didn't say good i i said um, well uh, I, i'm trying to think through I, i'm trying to think through um good or bad okay so there was one way back when i was working for young america which was this rebate phone line so people get their best buy rebates and they call and yell at you because they don't know what a upc is and threw everything out <laughs> that kind of thing and there was this girl like they were supposed to give us assigned desks and like finding my like there's this one girl where they didn't monitor this at all because we were adults this shouldn't have been a problem but one girl decided she liked my desk and would not leave it so I'd come into work and she'd be at my desk and like okay what the fuck am I doing she's decided to work at my desk and on top of that and so I left her a nice note saying hey can you clear this out because she was leaving ketchup packets and stuff like you know the okay you know these are the days I'm off if you want to use it then, but please don't keep your crap in my desk. And she went on this huge gossip campaign. So I found a stop gossip spell in, oh, it was like the office hexes or like the office spells book. It was by Sophia something. Um, I still have it. It's a good book. Like this stuff is effective. And I decided to do my own version where I just wrote her name and stitched her lips shut because she was talking so much shit about me at work. Right. And then I just kind of tucked it in the desk somewhere and just left it alone. The end result was within a week, she apparently was pregnant and had to be moved completely to a different office (laughs) because she popped so so much faster than she expected. She couldn't fit behind the desk anymore. So like apparently the stop gossip resulted in growing her babies faster. (laughs) Well, then she's got more energy because she's not running her mouth. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that was it. And I have my stuff back and have some damn peace. Look at that. Magic is great. 
yes yes and you know it's basically just cursing someone with themselves which is my favorite thing to do oh my goodness it is it's so funny to watch people twist themselves into mm-hmm. knots over something that has nothing to do with you and they mm-hmm. just assume that because you're a magical practitioner you must have cursed them yeah even back when that wasn't a thing we really did officially yeah i know there, there's one girl in college who like we had a falling out and i would hear her yelling from across like whatever building was echoing she's gonna do something like really Perfect. you don't have to you're doing it for me <laughs> i know when to save some fucking effort <laughs> i had oh goodness it was the middle of april probably 15 years ago or more um i i got up i had a wild hair i I told my partner i wanted to go to sunday brunch like let's go let's get some let's you know this will be great so we jump in the shelby and we're backing out of the driveway and i see something i'm like wait hold hold on a second like and i i come back up to the edge of the property and on the property line edge of the driveway somebody had spray painted which bitch fuck you on the driveway wow yeah like where what, is, what exactly is this what is happening there had been no issues with any neighbors there hadn't been any anything mm-hmm. we kept to ourselves where did this come from so i went over to the front my, my the front beds on the side of the house and i grabbed a handful of uh mugwort saplings little little baby mugworts and i just laid them over the words which bitch fuck you and i'm like do with this what you will and it's it's very funny how quickly those things change (laughs) once someone decides that their guilty conscience has let them know like you fucked up don't you you think she's a witch and you pissed her off anyway like this was not (laughs) smart (laughs) i didn't have to do a thing Sounds like the mugwort did the job for you. And this is why animistic relationships are wonderful. They're so great. The, um, so Diana has gotten to read um, parts of Protection Magic, which I'm so excited to see yeah. what she thinks, you know, outside of, of the conversation. You guys have to wait till it comes out. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, but I had, I had such a concrete example of that. So in... 2015 2014 i every every month i go around i beat the the bounds of my properties i make sure i reinforce all the borders are happy and i noticed the between one day and the next an outside fence for the you have a little backyard area for the dogs fenced in and the outside area of that fence it wasn't the border of the property but it was the back door area that was fenced a fence of uh, pokeweed popped up almost overnight huh I'm like oh shit like yeah what's going on here because that's not that's not good so, so as you play in the home game poisons can protect themselves so they can protect you so it, i took that as like you need protection from something you can't see something you're not understanding right. is happening so we're good we got your back yeah and i'm going okay what is it it wasn't for another probably two weeks that i realized i recognized that i had a stalker at work oh yes so poke was like hey big giant red flag you need to be paying attention so as soon as i handled that as soon as i dealt with it i never had another poke problem 
Hmm. I have to go and forage for berries. I actually take, um, I have a watercolor notebook journal. I make the poke ink. I write out things that work for my protection, things that I'm anxious about. Yeah. Poke fades over time. So, so do my worries. Ooh, that's clever. Yeah. I like so, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but once I, once I handled that, the, the poke infestation, so to speak, just resolved itself. But the, yes. having those concrete examples to say, hey, this is, you need to pay attention. Yeah. People don't expect that from magic. They expect, you know, faith and sparkles. I don't know. <laughs> they, they expect the woo and the drama and not the subtle cues. The, right. why is that there and not there? You know, there was one, you know, you write stuff in protection magic, people like to find ways to challenge you. Mm -hmm. And there's like one, because my partner has um, a neurological disorder that can cause them to tick, but only when there's anxiety or when there is a warning. Oh. And so like, there's one day where I had some stuff that I needed to take in because we have some offices in Kalamazoo where we see our more complicated clients. Right. And I, and I'm like, okay, I just need to like, da, 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 take these into the office. And there was like the tick and it's a really random tick. And it was basically like a scream this time. And so I was like, so I, like I stopped and repeated cause they won't always retain what you say because right. it's like a neurological event. Mm -hmm. And every time I said it, it kept happening. And to the point where like my partner was hearing the echoes and finally we were like, okay, you know, I'm going to, I think there's something going on. <laughs> and so I, I had them stop and go, okay, I want you to like, you know, look at that spot in your memory where the tick is. And like, yeah, there's something in the box that is meant to cause problems. Ooh. Yeah, it was dealt with, but it was just the, oh shit. You know, and just like those warnings, like it wouldn't, that one's a pretty obvious one compared to what a lot of people get, but mm -hmm. it's still like, you have to be willing to one, you know, have a partner that has those neurological concerns <laughs> and take the time to understand what causes them. Yeah, there's, there's there's some language translating that needs to happen when those those occur. Yeah, well, speaking ADHD is its own language. You're familiar with that. So, <laughs> you know, and, and for, I'm an empath, but I'm otherwise neurotypical. So it's the, okay, honey, you know, I, you know, I know that you need to finish the sentence, but I need to not listen to it and but and this has actually been making us increasingly better magical partners that's fantastic because they're understanding the way i need to contain energy as opposed to the way they do it so it's been helpful that's awesome i know when i'm writing a book i get super fixated on one part of the book and it becomes like the theme for the book in my head what about writing hex twisting brought you the most joy what is the what's the neat thing that gives you the spark let me think about that one because it was mostly oh crap all of this happened i think the far part for me was writing about working with spirits under the laws of hospitality instead of oh. under the traditional ceremonial power over thing that that whole section gave me chills i absolutely loved yeah like i may be the most demon friendly angel worker you're ever going to meet <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> It was, that was the part that I was excited about because it is such a radical shift. I know we had a, a house guest who's very involved in her faith and part of the Otito. And she was like, I was trying to like be as neutral as I could because guests in my house, loss of hospitality mm -hmm. for an actual guest. 
but it was she was talking about how they went oh yeah and we trapped a demon in a bottle i'm just like no 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 <laughs> you know it's just the and i know this is the way things are still done and it was just painful to me because it was probably completely unnecessary and at some point somewhere down the line unless they like make it a huge sandwich and apologize they're gonna have a pissed off demon to deal with as opposed to starting with the sandwich and just working out a contract <laughs> i really figured i feel like i i should have just like taken a taken a left at law school and just gone into demonic contracts yeah yeah <laughs> it feels that way and i did consider law school myself and sometimes i'm wondering if it would have helped more <laughs> i mean this may be the real arcana behind all the latin that still gets used <laughs> so That's it's the only funny. explanation for why the law is in the condition it is so <laughs> so i have a tricky question and if you are not comfortable answering it because consent is my favorite thing okay is there anything that bugs you about our community about yeah. that you're that you're comfortable talking about? Uh, the, the, the conscious and unconscious racism. Yes. Um, I saw some stuff from a fellow in Ireland today who was basically wishing death on an Afghani refugee who's on a hunger strike. Um, and basically, and citing um, race realism as the philosophy behind his actions. And the fact that this shit is still acceptable in any place is deeply concerning and needs to fucking stop. Really does. Now, I will say that the person, when I made a comment about it without citing the person, I will also say the ways it's being handled by the people that object to it are not as effective as they think they are. And that needs to be rethought too. Yeah. Because this person's like, well, why didn't you like say who this person was? Da, 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 da. Well, there's this podcast I listen to called You Are Not So Smart. Yeah. I don't listen to it as much as my partner does, but it talks about when you confront people or try to call them out, it makes them double down on the bad behavior. Giving attention, giving voice, giving platform is the problem. Which comes to the next one, <laughs> number two, is. I work, I have worked really hard on the anti-cultural appropriation fronts, right. but we are running again into a massive lack of discernment about what is and isn't appropriation and an understanding that it's not a universal ill. It is a thing that actually should be something where it's slowed down and carefully considered, but people want to jump to the black and white it is or it isn't. Right. So for example, we were both talking about yoga. There are people going, oh, you can't do that. It's cultural appropriation, except that yoga, the way it's structured has always been intended to spread. Reiki has always been intended to spread. Yes, it started in Japan, but the person who was the source of Reiki was doing phone initiations for US citizens during his lifetime, like phone attunements. So it's not an absolute at the same time, especially because I've been in so many, um, so many American Indian nations where I will sometimes work with these people or not work with them, depending on what they need. And like talking about the smudging thing is no, what most of us are doing is not smudging. Right. 
On top of it, one of the reasons it's still considered a bad thing to even try to claim the term is at the same time that a lot of white people are going, oh, this is a Native American thing and I'm smudging and it's all good, is American Indians could still go to jail for doing the same damn thing and doing it actually right according to their tradition. You know, and it's the lack of awareness that there's like, by doing this is contributing to cultural erasure yes. that yes. the US did as an official policy. You know, John, like, President Grant actually had a policy of kill the Indian, save the man, and was forcibly taking children from their homes, going to Indian schools to educate the Indian out of them so they could be white enough. Yeah. And, and then we find yeah. 5,000, what is it, 615 children buried on these residential school grounds? Yeah. Well, and Russia's still doing this. Russia's oh still God. doing this to indigenous people. So it's still going. That's why it's important to not appropriate indigenous people stuff at the same time but then you come into problem number like the the other aspect of this is for example sweetgrass mm -hmm. there are people who would argue it's appropriation natives use it except that sweetgrass grows above the ferret 45th parallel globally it is a very traditional plant to use in finland and in some parts of poland but we don't burn it we use it for water asperging right but it grows everywhere and it also doesn't address the, okay, I live in North America. I'm going to have a relationship with a maple tree here, not one in Poland. You know, because animistic spirits do not give a flying fuck. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's the, okay, you have this relationship and you use this plant for that medicine. But if I have legitimately formed that relationship, the way we use it may be similar, but I'm not taking from your culture. I'm communicating with the plants. And a lot of people don't understand the level of thought and discernment and research it really takes. Yes. They usually just Google far enough to go, oh no, that's bad. Or I'm seeing the, well, if I learn a foreign language, that's cultural appropriation. No, it's not. Learning a foreign language is not being an asshole. <laughs> if I'm going to go into a Mercado and I do, I'm going to try to speak Spanish. Or if I'm going to Mexico or somewhere else, like, you know, it, it may technically be appropriation, but it is necessary appropriation to have good manners. Right. I, so, I spent a lot of time talking about that in Sacred Smoke in starting from zero, engage with the plant as an ally and mm -hmm. figure out what's going on. You know, sit yeah. down with some ground lavender or ground clove, you know, write down your experiences, write down memories that come up when you burn this, what happens in your brain and start a practice from zero. Leave. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And also don't ignore the things that are obvious. I never hear anyone trying to form a relationship with grass. And grass is ubiquitous. You'd think that would be a good ally to have. Yeah, it's so prevalent everywhere. Yeah. I mean, we've we've built our entire monoculture on like grasses. Yeah, yeah. And starting and uh, any if you do a DNA splice of any plant, if you take it down to its base, sooner or later it turns into the lawn grass that we know. Mm -hmm. And so it's like the root of all plants. So you want to find the godmama of plants, you go to grass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I know, and listening to it, like when I've been in the desert and I've been by the people that have those green lawns and the grass is just so unhappy there. Mm -hmm. It's just the fucking kill me, please. I'm not supposed to be here. Just kill me. <laughs> put a nice cactus in and put out some rocks. So, lots, of, lots of pretty colors just let's go with what's here yeah 
if you want to go just use fucking paint just leave me alone don't make me grow here (laughs) so a lot of my rants are about the complete lack of discernment on all sides of the cultural appropriation discussion so and when i've heard like when so when i've heard an indigenous person look at the people that are trying to kind of white knight this and do the cultural preparation and when she's indigenous and she says so how are you going to make sure you don't overshoot this and you know these people that are not indigenous had no answer for that <laughs> it's just kind of a huh you need to pay attention to that so a very uncomfortable discussion to have it is so let's end on a better note what are some things that you really love about the community Well, the attitude of celebration, looking for things to celebrate is something I've always enjoyed. And it's almost impossible to go to a convention and not have a deep conversation. Oh my goodness, yes. It's it is it's one of the like best the rules. things about it. Yeah, it, it's like a pile of socially awkward people that are all like hyper fixated on the same thing and that helps so much. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah that's one of the more fun things about it that and the endless creativity and the music and just getting the chance to talk to people and going well here's a new way i approach this like even if it doesn't make it into books everyone that i like that i resonate with is in some way experimental so they always want to try out new things or try a new way of doing something i had so one of my favorite plant groups one of my favorite families is apomia goodness gracious i love the sweet potato family you can find stuff like morning glories or high john the conqueror root like so i didn't want to take away high john from anyone who needed it who used it who was you know had a relationship with it mm-hmm. so i said i wonder if i can get the same results from the ornamental sweet potato vine that gets sold in landscaping stores all over the place really so i I, at the end of the season at the end of the growing season i took my margarita uh because it's the big showy one mm-hmm. i cut it i dried it and i made an infused oil out of it and i started working with it saying okay like let's remove this obstacle let's let's remove that obstacle let's open this road for this and and boy if it doesn't if it doesn't it's not begging to be worked with so Ooh, okay it, it worked really I mean- well I think I may have some seed packets. Is that a seed one or is that a? Yeah, it's a sweet potato. Yeah. So I, I'm trying to remember because I like have a bunch because the, the property I just bought has like a half acre hidden in the middle of the city. Nice. So I'm going to be setting it up for an, for an urban herb farm. Lovely. So that's one I want to try. <laughs> yeah. When you, so. when it's time, when it's, when it's a growing season again, go to yeah. your local um, landscaping store, you know, we, you know, we've got Richardson's and all kinds here and it's bright green. It's um, ornamental sweet potato vine. The one I like is called Margarita, um, but they have black ones, green ones, pink ones, purple ones. Oh, I'll need to get purple. My partner loves purple. Yes. <laughs> the purple is like a really dark black plum purple. Oh, it's so good. Oh, that's not so pretty. So the ornamental ones, are those edible or no? They're not. They're not. Okay keeping that in mind because I know my kids Um, (laughs) so yeah okay now I want to go try that 
<laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, when we look at our the way the things that we're attracted to, I talk yeah. about this so much with my students. It's like the plants that are reaching out, the plants that are saying, "Hey, like, look me in the eyes and and let's mm-hmm. do something cool." Um, one of my favorite plants for you know, since I was graduating horticultural school and going to my first greenhouse job my boss had the greenhouse on the land where he lived you know he didn't commute we just walked to work every day and he had these incredible viburnum and it's the most delicious incredible beautiful smell it's it reminds a lot of people of jasmine but it's it got a fuller throatier laugh it's okay i love how you describe that that's yes the throw of the perfume is much farther. It's easier to grow. It's not as temperamental. And the pollinators love it. They're very, you know, trumpet-shaped flowers are very popular with hummingbirds and a lot of oh, the yeah. smaller pollinators. And so I'm like, why am I so attracted to this plant? What is, I mean, it felt like a compulsion at one point. I'm like, what is, what's the mechanism here? Mm-hmm. What else is in the viburnum family? You know off the top of your head? I don't. Devil's shoestring. Okay, this is explaining my fascination with the with the with those two because they will have some that grew in San Francisco that are like the sides of your head. Yes. But people grow on the sides of buildings in the middle of cement. Yes. And suddenly that is making so much more sense when one of them was trying to get me to steal it because I use so much devil shoestring. Yeah, devil shoestring is viburnum. Son of a bitch. Okay, <laughs> that explains a lot actually. <laughs> They're, they just, they want to tell us the things we just have to be, we have to look up from our phone long enough to listen. Yeah. By we, I mean me, I'm bitches. <laughs> I, I am too paranoid to like look at my phone when I'm walking around. So that helps. <laughs> but then I spend a lot of time in urban spaces. I kind of have to. <laughs> I was born and raised in Baltimore. I am, I'm lucky enough that I can still go and visit. Like my neurologist is in Baltimore. Um, but I'm glad I have the freedom and the space to visit rather than living there still. Yeah, I just, I grew up in a small town in Northwest Indiana and I just found that, you know, yeah, I will need to go see some trees or be out in quieter spaces once in a while, but not nearly to the degree a lot of pagans express. Mm -hmm. And I actually thrive more in an urban environment. Like I feed off, I, I literally can feel my energy feeding off of art and you get more of that in an urban space. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So like that creative energy, art and dance and music, and you're going to get more of that walking down a city block than you're going to get walking in the woods. You'll get something very different in the woods. It's just nourishing. But, and I realized not everyone can take nourishment that way. That's just sort of my thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, my father is a blues musician. So I grew up going to blues festivals from before I could walk. Oh, that sounds and, wonderful. Uh, it really is. Baltimore has a, has an incredible, um, not just the Baltimore Blue Society, but the, the community itself, which is why there's such an overlap in the Hoodoo community, because in the 50s, the, the Gullah people started coming to Baltimore in droves and saying, hey, look, like, let's do this. So there's actually a really neat exhibit in some of the uh, work in Baltimore. They're collecting materia found in walls uh, from around this time period to say, look, these are, these are blessing tokens. These are, this is this, and this is that, that's how this is oh. used. Here's, here's some cobalt witch bottles. That's not what they call them. Um, it's, it's fantastic. It's fascinating. Um, oh, that sounds phenomenal. I, so something I keep pointing out because I know, cause we both work with major public with major new age occult publishers 
And the comment is, well, we can never find indigenous or hoodoo or whoever to publish books. And there are more people of color coming forward, but the yes. reality is a lot of what was transmitted was oral tradition. Mm-hmm. It's in the blues music. It's, you know, it's in these stories that are only ever told and they get, they're changed on purpose from generation to generation as the magic changes. And that's not stuff that should ever go into print necessarily, exactly. but then you find it. And if you know enough about the basics of how magic works, you can kind of figure out what it's for. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think this is the other thing is in Hex Twisting, there was a lot of stuff that was reverse engineering was figuring out how to do, as I bring it back to that, but um, was figuring out, okay, what is somebody doing here? And how do I go break their toys? Like not even necessarily reverse it, just go make it so that's not gonna work again. <laughs> <laughs> and that that got entertaining. I think my favorite thing in the book that I did and was one where there was a situation where there were just two very specific troublemakers that were unrelated, but focused on the same person. Right. So I had the person take a piece of their hair between two poppets of each of the troublemakers that they could recognize and bind them together. So they kept throwing at each other. Oh, that's genius. I love it. Just keep keep them busy. (laughs) I mean, it works on my kids. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep them busy. (laughs) Well, I wanted to thank you so much for stopping by to hang out with us. How can our listeners catch up with you? See what you're up to. So I uh, so I have a website, dianarachel.com, and would it help if I put this in the comments field? So it's like, yeah, that'd be great. Yes. So especially since I do have that weird name spelling that can throw people. So the main ways, um, dianarachel.com, I do keep an events calendar up. Also, if you want something more immediate, I do have a Facebook author page. And I am doing a an Instagram, which some months I'm better about than others <laughs> and I am running a super basic witchcraft series on TikTok so talking about the energy work and the foundational basics that get missed in a lot of the witch talk videos what is your I opened TikTok and I started hollering at me what is your uh, TikTok handle Spoonchery01 yes and Spoonchery is a Minneapolis reference to a famous sculpture there Fantastic. I am going to follow you right now at, awesome. Blackthorn, at Blackthorn's Botanicals. That way. Yeah, mine is very, very different from a lot of people's because a lot of it involves me just talking very calmly into the camera. <laughs> <laughs> and I just don't give a shit if I have makeup on one day to the next. <laughs> Nor should you. That's why I got invented yeah. filters. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have an amazing evening and I really appreciate you spending some time with us. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. We should do it again soon. <laughs> yes. I'm looking forward to hanging out in person at some point. God, yes. Uh, Lacey keeps inviting me to come out to Michigan to go and check out some witchy stores and maybe do some signings. And as things yes. become more populated with people, uh, I'm getting my booster shot any minute. So we're, we're going to have two or three extra couches if you need a place to crouch to Kalamazoo. And I'm friends with the witchy store owner here. Yay! See, look, it's already working out. There we go. (laughs) Have a wonderful evening. And thank you for joining us. All right. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Hi there. Just so you know, Hex Twisting, Counter Magic Spells for the Irritated Witch by Diana Rachel, is available for pre-order now.
and it will be out December 8th. Also, Blackthorn's Protection Magic is available for pre-order now. It will be available the end of February, February 28th, or March 1st, from your local independent bookstore. Thanks, and have a great day.